Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 we're back. Just as we said at 10 a.m. And hopefully you came back. Why? Because this is Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Trace Fowler, and I feel like I irritated some people yesterday. So it appears it's a hot-button topic to talk about attendance. And you know what? That means today I won't talk about it. We're not going to talk about attendance. We're not going to talk about the fact that there still was nobody there, but we won't say nothing about it. We'll see how today goes. The Reds, we'll talk about the Reds, right? We'll start there. Reds, uh, they dropped the Tuesday tilt 7 to nothing against the Minnesota Twins. I get it. Fernando Cruz started the game as an opener, and to be fair to Fernando, no Fernando slander here. He threw the ball well. Ben Lively then kind of got thrown to the Wolves. Next thing you know, Alex Young's in the game. Hasn't been very good since he's come back from the I.L. You got a double take. You got to figure out, is that who is that out there? Oh, it's Daniel Duarte. And it felt like David Bell punted. It felt like David Bell punted. And you know what? Rightfully so. Rightfully so. The starting rotation is what it is. Bell has to make pretty tough decisions right now. I don't envy David Bell whatsoever. But I think he made the right decision. Because this season, for me, right now, with a little bit of time left, comes down to one thing. Can this offense be the reason that this Reds team wins games? There's going to be a bunch of Reds talk today. We are going to end this show just a little bit early. Why? Well, because we're not going to be called frauds. We're not going to be called frauds on this YouTube show. We're going to go down to the game. We plan to end the show right around 1130. That should give us just enough time to get there right around first pitch. And yours truly will be at Great American Ballpark. The Red Legs, as mentioned, they will uh, square off in a getaway day rubber match against the Minnesota Twins. Reds have Hunter Green on the mound. Twins have Bailey Ober. It's a good pitching matchup. The line, dead even. Minus 125 if you want to bet on the Red Legs through Betfred. What are they, Elliot? Perhaps the greatest sports book known to man. There you go. The Reds lineup is out. We'll have thoughts on that in just a moment. But first, we got Reed's top five. We got Casey's stink list. We got everyone's favorite segment now the mailbag can't wait for what little becky and miss betty's class has fellas wasn't the greatest game for the reds last night there was no national football league being played so i'd assume there was a little bit of time off around the uh, around the room here but maybe not i know there was a couple that went to the game reed how you doing Good, Trace. Uh, hi, my name's Nicholas Reed Mouse. Uh, I'll probably go to hell for this joke, but you know what? I already conjured it up, so here goes nothing. I was uh, baptized into Roman Catholicism by force. I was confirmed by choice. In fact, I spent most of my formative years being a server at my local Catholic church, and it was kind of messed up because my priest never tried to diddle me once, and I was a cute kid. Yep, you're right. Let's, let's, yep, that was well, a bad no, no, one. No, 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 let's, that was a bad one. Let's go, ahead and, let's go ahead and double down on these bad Catholic church jokes. Elliot, I was what 
12-year-old Reed is what most Catholic priests would call a lobster. You know why? Why? All the meat was in the tail. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. All right, we're going to have to reset. You're going to have to reset after that. I'm going to have to reset. I'm going to have to mentally reset. Okay. So yesterday I was at the game uh, with Trace and some of my friends. We, we had Mark Fetters there. We had, we had, we had, we had, we had a Viking Helmet guy there. Shout out to my guys. But it was, you know, it's a bad game. It was a rough game. I go down there. Trace isn't going to mention attendance, but I'll mention it a little bit. There was nobody there. Maybe 15,000 people again, but whatever. It's, it's fine. Nobody wants to go. The economy's bad, I hear. 65,000 people will pay 150 for a Bengals ticket on Monday night against the Rams. But teach their own. Teach their own. It's, everybody, it's a free country. Everybody do what you want with your own money. I'm not going to stop anybody. It does suck that we have a baseball team in a playoff race and nobody cares. That sucks. And it really makes you wonder what's the point of the baseball team if nobody cares enough to show up. I'll sit here and make fun of FC Cincinnati till I'm blue in the face. They get 25000 They sell it. They sell at the stadium every night. They sell it out every time. That's right. So I Thanks, Casey. So if, if we're going to sit here and say the economy's bad and you can't purchase a $10 ticket, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I agree with you. If you're going to tell me that you have kids, they have baseball practice, I agree with you. If you have a dog after work, you have a dog you got to let out, I agree with you. But all these excuses, you got chores to do, you got a lawn to cut, you got, a, you got mastacholi to cook. I mean, and we can go down the line, but at the end of the day, on Monday night, the same night, weeknight, as the Reds played yesterday, or two days ago, there will be 65,000 people there paying $150 a ticket. So if we, if we want to say that, if we want to, if we want to go on and say that nobody's going to show up because it's a weeknight and they have to cook dinner and they've got to ch rotate their tires and change the oil in their car and they've got to take a vacation to God knows where and they're going to make up all the excuses. If they want to do that, that's fine by me. But it does suck. And, and it makes you wonder, Phil Castellini, a person who I don't respect or like, it makes you wonder how true is the comment. How true is the comment? Because they could just get up and leave and nobody would care. 8,000 people are showing up to a playoff race. Reed and I were having this debate before the show. People are going to sell out the Red Stadium for a playoff game? No. The excuse? Economy's bad. Gas, is, gas, gas prices are high. Gas prices aren't high for the Bengals, so we'll see. I could be better right now, but we're going today. I'm going to change up the vibes. I'm not going to tell anybody what to do with their money. If you want to spend their money, however, Bengals ticket or Reds tickets are expensive. God knows they are $14. So I apologize. I've been better. Well, as a reminder, for those that are wondering, uh, the Reds did lose seven to nothing yesterday. Elliot went to the game and that's probably a little a reflection and or a glimpse into what, uh, how his night went. Elliot's been on the, uh, the downside of a few, a few tough sporting events started in uh, started in Chicago, winded its way through Paycor Stadium, and then it ended last night at Great American Ballpark. But today's <laughs> a new day. Today's a new day. And um, Casey, yeah. got a stink list to do today. Do you think it's going to actually be be okay, or is it going to stink? Oh man, it's it's a stinker. It's a real stinker. I hate this. I hate to do it to people, but 
man, I'm gonna I'm gonna really ruffle some feathers after after this week. So we'll see. Do you do it as a bit or is this like a serious thing? Do you seriously take this uh, to heart when you when you make this list? <laughs> it's it's a, exactly what you think. It's a mixture, man. I mean, it 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 just depends, right? I mean, some of it's legit, some of it's biased opinion, some of it's uh, for the bit. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like to think that some of it's uh, legit. Now, I need to get in a better habit of, like, you know, doing more than just teams. Because there's some players that just stink around the league. They just really stink. I need to start adding players to this list. But that's on me. I got to do a better job with the stink list. This week is not going to be great. It's going to be just teams again. But I promise for a better product. Fair enough. In the future. Um, we, this isn't really an attendance show we're not going to talk about it we've already we've already talked about it at length for those that are saying you know it's a you know i see ohio laker in the chat saying guilt trip this that and the other that's not what it is at all in fact i think it's more or less just the realization of what maybe we've always we've always had a tough team to watch around here for quite some time right we've we've, we've not had a whole lot of winning baseball so the excuse was very valid when you could say well who wants to go down there and watch that product why would you want to go to the games when you're 20 games below 500 and that's a very fair point but but as a fan base we've not really had many opportunities to 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 show up to a ballpark when it's mattered a lot you probably could count, definitely count on two hands, You, but you could probably count on one hand the amount of times that you could say there's been a huge monumental game and or a playoff race game in Great American Ballpark the last five, ten years. So I understand where the concept of all of these, you know, what, well, I, I have no other choice but to call them excuses. I'm trying to be nice about it, but that's just... That's what they are. They're, and you know what? Excuses have always gotten a bad rap, right? The term excuse. Anytime you say, oh, that's an excuse, people just assume that it's a bad excuse. There are good excuses in life. There are, the, the, the word excuse is, has a negative connotation to it, but the reality is, is that it can be the, the appropriate thing to do in certain situations, right? This isn't about one person. This isn't about you. If you're not going to the game today, you're a bad fan. Of course not. It's The game's being played at 1230 on, on a Wednesday. People have jobs. This is a blue-collar town. I was raised by someone that worked in a factory, right? And another one that worked, one worked at AK Steel, one worked at General Motors. That that was the foundational basis of, of my family. I'm un, I understand. I understand that not everyone can just get up and go to a game. Obviously, that's part of it. It's just that we can't go around right now and in the foreseeable future. And honestly, this is where I'm at with it, to be clear on this whole thing. You just can't go around bragging that you're a great baseball town. That's all. That's the end of the story. All right. Um, we're in a situation now, fellas, where it is exactly what we've said it's going to be. It's going to come down to one game, maybe, maybe two at the most. But it's going to come down to probably one game, whether you make it or whether you don't. Last night, the Reds lose 7-0, and every single team that the Reds would scoreboard watch found a way to win. Clearly, the Diamondbacks are playing the Giants, and that's a situation where someone has to lose. 
But now you're in a position where you're a Reds fan. I think that you're going to start rooting for the Giants, and you're hoping that the Diamondbacks are going to lose now. The good news is, is the Giants have, have, have basically eliminated themselves. Now, they could get hot like anyone else and rattle off seven, eight in a row, and they're right back in it. But this Giants team has seven games against the Dodgers. They still have a game left today against the Diamondbacks. And when you have eight games against those two opponents, it's hard for me to believe that you have much of a chance. You add in the fact they got three games against the Padres, and here we sit. Maybe this is a bad take, but the Giants eliminated. That leaves four teams for two spots. Marlins, Cubs, Diamondbacks, Reds. Fortunately for the Reds, if it were to end at a tie, as a reminder, you defeat the Cubs, you defeat the Diamondbacks. The Marlins, quite honestly, though, have surprised us all. At least they've surprised me. They keep finding ways to win. You're not supposed to sweep the Braves, but that's just what they did. They win another one-run game last night. They walk it off. Berger hits a single up the middle on a no-two count. Next thing you know, now the Reds have fallen out of that final wild-card spot for the short term. There's plenty of games left, as we all know. But the question becomes now is, what's left? What is there to be expected? And I continue to fall back on this offense. This offense, this offense. I have a good feeling about Jonathan India. I don't know why. I can't. It's, it's just an intuition type feeling. Hopefully it comes to fruition. He's had some good at bats. I know he was 0 for 3 last night. Um, and to be fair, I left in the, in, the, in, the, in the ninth inning there. So maybe he went 0 for 4 in the last inning. I don't know. Maybe I should check the box score right before I jump on the show, huh? But regardless, Jonathan India is, is, is seeing the ball well. You know who's not seeing the ball well? Everybody just said it at once. Collectively. Every person that just watched this show right now just said, Ellie. He's getting a day off today. We'll talk about that. He's going to get two days off. Because the Reds have a bye, or bye, as in a bye, a day off tomorrow. Um, as you get towards the home stretch of the season, is there one particular thing before we get into the Reeds Top 5, the mailbag, and the stink list, and then we'll get right back into Reds Talk to end this show. Is there one thing that you think, if the Reds team does this, they're in the postseason? So if they score runs. If they score runs. If you can score five runs a game for the remaining games, you're going to be in the postseason. I don't think there's, a, there's, there's anything else that's more important right now. It's just... The offense has been good throughout the year. They're 10th in runs scored, I think, in the MLB. So it's been there this season. And I know there was a large stretch. There was about a month and a half stretch where that was kind of – we got most of our runs. But we've still been good. I mean, it's still, it's still been okay. It's just you, you, have to, you have to put up. You can't get shut out to the Twins. No more shutouts. You have to show up. Yesterday it kind of felt like a punt game. They weren't really trying. And I get, I, get the, I get the logic behind it because you really don't have anybody to throw. So it's kind of hard to get up. It's different. Like when, when Luke Weaver pitched earlier, it was, it was they had a rotation. But on this day, on this specific day, the offense knew they had to wake up because they knew Luke Weaver was pitching. And that was that. 
but it doesn't feel like that what's happening right now. It doesn't feel like they need to get up for that. It seems like everybody's just punting on this game. They don't have any arms. And then we're going to go try to win our win with our best starting pitcher today. So if you score runs, if you score, if we can score four or five runs a game throughout the, the remaining of this season, the last nine games here, the Reds will be in the postseason. That's the most important thing. Ellie De La Cruz eventually has to, has to wake up. You're not winning a playoff series. Ellie De La Cruz is hitting 130 still. So if, and if, making if, errors. Huh? And making and errors. And making errors. Noel V has been great. Strand's been pretty good. He's been he's been improving over the past two weeks. Will Benson's a, I mean, Will Benson's the best nine hitter in baseball. The Reds still have a chance here. I'm not I mean the the Reds still have a chance. Spencer Steer's been unbelievable. Tyler Stevenson hit the ball hard last night. I know he was bad behind the plate, but Stevenson had a good game offensively. He just got robbed twice. So I, I, I still have hope. I think if the Reds offense can, can wake up here, they will make the playoffs. Randy with the wild take says he's thinking about moving to Cincinnati and he's going to move to Cincinnati possibly if, if there's a chance he gets to go to a ball game and, and uh, hang out. Listen, Randy, I mean, what's pretty, pretty evident. We're, we're just uh, regular people around here. So if you're, if you're going to go to a ball game and we're going to be at it, there's a, there's a pretty good chance that at some point during uh, 81 of these home games, We'll probably find a way to be able to uh, enjoy a ball game. So there's that. Reed. Yeah. Uh, the Cubs. They finally got back on track. They won 19 to one or whatever it was. Run differential. Big time thing in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> um, congrats. Uh, do, do, you, do you feel like? Do you feel like you, you step back from that ledge, my friend? Now or where uh, are we at? Yeah, Reed? it feels a lot better. Two and eight over a ten game series. No one wants to hear about the Cubs, but I will. I will say this. Uh, dollar in the jar, uh, the run differential thing, I follow a lot. Obviously, I don't have a whole lot of Cubs fans, but I follow a lot of Cubs people on Twitter. I've never once seen the Cubs Cubs fans talk about their run differential, but somehow it keeps getting thrown in our face like, oh, you guys got that great run differential. Like, it's some joke, and I, I, I guess I just don't get it. I, I feel like you guys think we talk about it all the time. We don't talk about it, ever. We know we can score runs, and that's that. But, yeah, it feels a lot better. But, like I said, no one wants to talk about the Cubs. So No, I understand. I, so here's where we're at with the Reds. Uh, we got two problems, relative problems. Uh, one is Ellie. Another one is our catching situation. And yesterday they both showed their hand. The catching situation, really, I don't know if it's much on Tyler Stevenson as much as it is that he needs rest. Played six straight games, four straight days catching, and I get it. Some people are going to say, well, there's other guys that catch every single day. Well, Tyler Stevenson's not. He's not proven to be that guy yet. And I don't want to say that he'll never be that guy, but that's kind of where my head goes. It's where my brain tells me that he's not capable of doing that. He's not a Yadier Molina. In fact, that's a disgrace for me even bring those two folks in the same sentence, but that's here nor there. Yesterday, the, uh, there was a pivotal moment in the game. Was brought up in the chat. Jeff mentioned it. And I think he's right. You have a situation where you can strike him out, throw him out. There's momentum. Momentum in sports is a real thing. You know, that's the one thing that's everyone wants to to say um, that you can more times than not stats don't lie. Right? You hear that? And I and I and I would tend to somewhat agree with that. But there are intangibles in sports. If this was just a straight-up numbers game and you knew exactly what was probably going to happen every single time, no matter what, sports wouldn't be fun. They wouldn't be enjoyable to watch, would there? ESPN Classic wouldn't be a thing. 
there would be no upsets. And I'm just to the point now where I wonder what is it what is it exactly that we should come to expect out of Tyler Stevenson? And when he made that throw down to second base, he made a good throw. Could it was it a was it a great throw? No. Was it a perfect throw? No. Would it have been nice if he threw the ball in the air? Yes. But nine times out of ten, you'd like your shortstop to be able to catch that ball, make the tag, and you have a you have an inning ending double play, strike him out, throw him out, and you got momentum on your side. And that's what makes sports great is because that small intangible. Maybe it's a stretch to say this. Could have been the difference in the game. You lose seven to nothing, and you could argue that that took the wind out of the sails of the Cincinnati Reds. Why? Well, because the inning got extended. And as we know, any decent baseball team, when an inning gets extended, what happens? Usually they find a way to score. You give a team extra outs, they take advantage of it. The Reds gave a team an extra out, they took advantage of it, they jumped up to an early lead. Then you jump later in the game, and you find yourself in a situation where another misplay in the field allows the Reds to have to bring their infield in. A ground ball that might have been, again, this is all speculation, might have been an ending, ending double play again based off the fact that usually Jonathan India shifted over during those double plays. That ball was hit relatively sharply right around the area Jonathan India would traditionally play when there's a left-hander up with a double play. Instead, it's a base hit, two-run score, and you find yourself down now where David Bell has to punt the game. Small things matter. We all know they do. That's what makes baseball great, in my opinion. You could make the argument. You could make the case that if Ellie De La Cruz catches that baseball last night and tags that guy out, stealing second base, I get it, the Reds scored no runs, but you could also sit there and laugh, and, I, and you, if you've watched enough sports, and I know you have, you could make the case that the vibes would have been different, and perhaps somehow the mojo would have been a little bit different, and they would have been able to muster up some runs and find a way to win that game. Is that a little bit of a stretch? Of course it is. Of course it is. But it felt like last night the Twins had the mojo. They were, finding, they were finding holes everywhere. They were hitting the ball where they weren't. Flare here, broken bat single here. And the Reds hit some balls hard. It just didn't pan out. Jonathan India, three great at-bats. Three great at-bats. Tyler Stevenson, a couple good at-bats. Hit a ball over the fence and got brought back. That's just the way it's gone for Tyler. I'm not saying it's the hardest hit ball he's hit all year, but damn it, it felt like that might have been the hardest ball he could have possibly hit the center field. I don't know how many balls that he's hit farther this year, but it can't be too many. Hopefully, Stevenson just lets it go by and doesn't let it get to him, but those are the types of things that we need to have happen to us for this Reds team to make the postseason. We got to find a way to get a little fortunate. Hit them where they ain't sometimes. The one thing in sports nobody wants to give some credit to or credence to, but we all will admit it, is it takes a little bit of luck, doesn't it? 
Sometimes it takes a little bit of luck to do something special. I'm not suggesting the Reds aren't good enough to win and be in the postseason on their own merits. But what I am suggesting is it's going to take a little bit of luck. Not a lot, though. Just a little. I'm going to say something outlandish right now that I do actually believe. I think the Red season is today. This is the pivotal game. This is the swing game. This isn't me just trying to say something hot. Oh, you know, make something out of something that's not there. This is going to come down to one game. At the end of the year, it will be one game that separates the folks that get in the postseason and don't. Today's the swing game. If you don't win today, you have to sweep either the Pirates and or the Cardinals. And you can't get swept by anybody. You take one from the Guardians, you sweep the Pirates, you take two or three from the Cardinals. I think you still can get in if you don't win today. But if you win today, the dynamics of all of that change significantly. And I would say that the chances of doing what they need to do if they win today are probable. If they lose today, the chances of doing what they need to do are improbable. Not impossible, like some want to say that I say. I'm not saying impossible. I'm saying improbable. Today is the swing game. You got Hunter Green on the mound. We'll see what happens. We got a, uh, we got a super chat, and I knew it. And by God, I knew this was going to happen. The Sunday in Oakland, I hope to God doesn't bite us. <laughs> I hope to God it doesn't bite us. And for those that don't know what the Sunday in Oakland is, give me just a moment and I'll let you know in just a couple seconds. But if you've watched Chatterbox Reds enough, you know exactly what the Sunday in Oakland is. All right, fellas, switching gears here really, really quickly. I know I just got into the Reds heavily uh, to a certain extent, led on some storylines. I think we're in a position now where uh, we'll should, we, should do a, uh, we should do a mailbag. We also have another super chat. Chi-Town, what a guy. He says that you all are beautiful, which is a lie. And I love you. Not a lie. We love you too, Chi-Town. Thank you. Um, we have a mailbag. We have Reed's top five. Yeah. I think um, be- <laughs> I'm going to let you guys play rock, paper, scissors yeah, on, uh, be- on, on which one you do. I think it'll be, it would make more sense uh, for this particular mailbag to go first. Okay. All right. Go ahead. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. All right, today's Chatterbox Mailbag, it comes from Little Rico in Mrs. Horseradish's class. Little Rico, he says, my favorite player is Ellie De La Cruz. He's been benched today. His slash line is 167, 274, 269 over the past month. He's also making errors like me playing for the Our Lady of the Visitation Vikings. Little Rico asks, with all of the hype surrounding this 21-year-old phenom, how can we excuse him getting meaningful at-bats and playing the premier position on the baseball diamond with how bad he's been playing? Is that, is that a question? Yeah. Or is that a statement? No, it was a, it was a, it was a, it ended in a question. How can we excuse him getting meaningful at-bats and playing the premier position on the baseball diamond with how bad he's been playing? Little Rico. Mrs. Horseradish. I, um, you said Ellie's a, Ellie's a tough one. Okay. Can we admit drew really quickly with the super chat says he's just here to make it known that Ellie is icon. He is an icon. 
He's very iconic. Is Elliot Reary, also known as a zebra. <laughs> Elliot, I, I, I don't know uh, horse, Miss Horseradish Rico and Horseradish class. That's a nice one there. Um, I just, I, I can't forget what Ellie did for us at the beginning either. You can't have it both ways, can you? Like you, you, you can't sit here and just dog the guy, dog the guy, dog the guy, dog the guy. And he's been bad lately. He's been very bad. But without him, there is none of this. And it, you still have to ask the question whether you like it or not. What exactly are we trying to accomplish here in the grand scheme of things? Certainly with 10 games left, we can all agree the goal, the main goal, make the postseason. Throw out the development, throw out the you need to get at bats, throw out all of those types of things if it's really bad. And right now it's really bad with Ellie. But you know what? Ellie isn't this bad. He's not. What this is, is this. This is a situation, and again, this is my opinion, through playing with a lot of different baseball players throughout my life. Of course, I've never played in the, in the major leagues. I've never played with those types of caliber players on a daily basis or anything like that. But I do think that if you're around the game long enough, you're able to see the different types of scenarios that can happen to certain players and where they come from and who they are and their background and, and, and what makes them the full type of baseball player. This is, of course, there's always an exception to the rule. There's always an exception to the rule. But this is what I actually believe with Ellie right now. There's a lot of guys that you would call gritty. And the reason you call them gritty players is because of the background of which they come from. Most really mentally tough players grinded out type of guys were not the most talented. They were either undersized, they were late bloomers, and they had to bust their ass to make it. They never at one point in their life, now they had talent. Anyone that plays at a relatively even, I would even say at a high school level, and definitely beyond a high school level, has a little bit of talent to them. This isn't just hard work. But for the most part, they had to rely on everything outside of talent. In Ellie De La Cruz, it's abundantly clear. He has every gift imaginable that you would want if you designed somebody to play the game of baseball. He has an unbelievably strong arm. He has unbelievable power. He can run like the wind. He has every tool that you would want if you're a scout. But there's one tool that nobody can ever really truly figure out until the lights come on. And that's what you got inside of you. That's what you got in the brain. That's what kind of grit you got. Can you, can you develop this grit? Can you develop the mental fortitude to be able to push through when times get tough? Yes, you can, especially when you're 21 years old. So is Ellie a lost cause? Of course he's not. But there's no doubt in my mind 
that right now, Ellie is dealing with something he's never dealt with before in his life when it comes to the game of baseball, and that is it is very hard for him right now. And it's not fun. And the only way to get through that is to find something deep inside you. Nobody else can fix it. You'd like to think that David Bell or maybe Barry Larkin or Eric Davis or Pete Rose or Johnny Bench or whoever it else is that you want to maybe give him a call. Go down in the locker room and spend a couple minutes with him and just chat with Ellie. That's not how it works. There's only one way that Ellie De La Cruz is going to be able to get through this, and that's for Ellie De La Cruz to figure it out himself. And I'm here to tell you it's got not a single thing to do with the physical traits that that man possesses. It is all upstairs. Some guys can rectify it. Some guys have a lot of issues with that. And I'm here to say that you shouldn't give up on him just because he's going through a tough patch right now. The beautiful thing with what I just said is this. It can switch like that. If you got a bad baseball player who just doesn't have the physical tools to play, it'll never come around. We've seen plenty of those through our time with the Cincinnati Reds, haven't we? We've seen it this year. If you watched Kevin Newman play baseball at all this year, you'd be able to tell really quickly that no matter how hard Kevin Newman tries, he can't do half the stuff that Ellie can. So I'd rather be on the side of having an Ellie De La Cruz who, if mentally, can get his swagger back, can find that confidence again, it can turn on just like that. He's getting a day off. He gets another day off. And he's right back against facing what we will call it pretty bad pitching this weekend against the Pittsburgh Pirates. There's a small chance that that gets him going again. But let's not act like Ellie De La Cruz is bad at baseball. That's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a young man that's not really faced adversity within the game of baseball. Yes, he might have faced adversity throughout his life. He certainly didn't get raised with a silver spoon. He's a very humble person. Very likable kid, I guess is the term, if you want to use that. There's nothing wrong with the guy, Ellie De La Cruz. If you want to get mad because he wears the chains, then you should have gotten mad when he was wearing the chains when he stole home against the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't buy into that. I just buy into a kid that's playing a game that can be very, very, very mentally taxing on you. I never had to face the scrutiny and or the pressure that Ellie De La Cruz ever had to face. And I can tell you there were times when, I, when, when I'd show up at the ballpark and I felt like no one in the world could get me out. Now, whether that was true or not, I don't know, but it felt like that. And there were times when I didn't even want to get out of bed to go to the ballpark. And right now, Ellie's in a spot where he's in the ladder. Because when you get put on a pedestal, it can be great. It's nice to have your name with a stake at Jeff Ruby's. It's nice that the national reporters and everybody's calling you the best thing that they've seen since 
facts. The problem with that is, is if you're going to put your identity within that and you start to struggle, you're going to spiral out of control. There is a different mental toughness between Spencer Steer and Ellie De La Cruz right now. And the play shows it. Let's not forget that Spencer Steer went on a really, really tough stretch of baseball this year. I don't have it right in front of me, but I think he was one for his last 28 to 30. But Spencer Steer, a little bit older, a little bit wiser, has faced tough times before, was able to find his way and bounce back. That will happen for Ellie too. It's just a matter of when Ellie can figure out how to manage what's going on upstairs and get himself right. And that's what this team needs. All right. Um, let's talk about, first of all, what's your top five list today? It is about the top five quarterbacks that can replace Joe Burrow on Monday Night Football. Love that. Uh, so we'll do, some, uh, we'll do some NFL talk really, really quickly, and then we're going to finish the show with the Reds again. Yes. Because why not? Right. So let's do, uh, let's do the top five, and then we're going to go from Reed's top five to Casey's stink list. And I guarantee the chat and everybody is going to love both of these lists. Um, we just broke some news that apparently it's, it's confirmed that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are dating, so Taylor Swift's canceled. I mean, she has terrible taste in men. Is that really a thing? Yeah. I mean, what a jabroni Taylor Swift is. I mean, I'm, I'm, ne I'm never using a Capital One credit card again. I'm never listening to anything, any music that she made. I mean, damn near. I, I don't know. I don't know. She's canceled. She's canceled in my life. No Do more Taylor guitar? Swift. Do you have a guitar to put a teardrop on? No. All right, let's go into the top five list of quarterbacks that could possibly replace Joe Burrow on Monday. We talked about it yesterday. I don't know if Joe Burrow is going to play on Monday. Obviously, news has come out that he's feeling better. Um, I'm sure we'll know more today because Wednesdays are normally when he meets with the media. I don't know if that has shifted around because of Monday Night Football. Regardless, I started getting in the bag. It's like, all right, if Joe Burrow cannot play, who are five quarterbacks that we could see Joe Burrow replace. So without further ado, this is Reed's top five on the Wednesdays. Uh, we'll start off with the dishonorable mention. The number one guy that cannot play on Monday in place of Joe Burrow is Jake Browning. If Jake Browning takes snaps for the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday, I mean, what the hell are we doing? We saw him all preseason long. He, he ain't it. He ain't it. I'm sorry to say, I, I know we tried to get some other guys, tried to get Trevor Simeon, Brandon Allen left the, the house, and we're, we're trying to get someone to replace the backup quarterback, but Jake Browning, he just simply isn't it. I know he won the, the backup quarterback battle, but it was kind of just because he could throw a ball forward, not because he could complete a pass. Jake Browning, I do not want to see you play quarterback on Monday for the Cincinnati Bengals, who I do want to see instead of Jake Browning coming in at number five is our practice squad QB, Will Greer. The reason I would like Will Greer to play is because he's actually got NFL snaps, unlike Jake Browning. Jake Browning's first snaps were against the Cleveland Browns in week one when we were already down 21. Will Greer has started in the NFL. He kind of creates a little more chaos because he can move around a little bit. Will Greer, I'd rather see him start. Now we start getting into people that are off the roster. Coming in at number four, who I'd like to see start quarterback for the Bengals on Monday if Joe Burrow can't play, is Uncle Rico. 
If you ever see Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> Uncle Rico could throw it over that mountain if you just give him a chance. Uncle Rico has a cannon. I mean, that mountain had to have been miles away, and he could throw it over there if you just gave him a shot. And you look at the pocket presence right there. I mean, he, he's got good footwork. Uncle Rico coming in at number four. I wonder if he's related to Little Rico, who asked the question today. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Maybe he's his uncle. I don't know. I don't know. Coming to number three, somebody with backup experience. It's Brucey from the longest yard. He came in <laughs> in a tough spot. Paul Crew left. He was he was throwing the game, and Brucey was the only other one that took snaps. I mean, we got to make sure that his hands are dry. We don't want him eating popcorn before he goes out there. But we need Brucey to come in there, and he came up with a big play. He came up with a big play. If you see in the longest yard, Brucey, they do not win that game without Brucey coming in there. So Brucey's coming in at number three. Coming in at number two, an actual NFL quarterback and someone that won his last game with the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's win another one. <laughs> Let's go get Andy Dalton, the red rifle, or as some like to call him, the beige water pistol. Let's get Andy Dalton to start. Let's have him play. Because, reminder, It'd be prime time, and that's when Andy Dalton shines the brightest. So let's get Andy Dalton at home, under the bright lights of prime time. That's who I want to start. And the number two, or at least the second most likely person that I want to start on Monday for the Cincinnati Bengals. Coming in at number one, who do I want to start if Joe Burrow cannot play on Monday against the Los Angeles Rams? Nobody. Just throw the game. Just, just go ahead and <laughs> give it to the Rams. Let's just punt. Let's just keep everybody healthy. We're going to go 0-3 anyways, so why not? I mean, if Joe Burrow can't play, let's just say, all right, we'll, we'll try next week. Nobody plays. We, we cancel Monday Night Football. We ruin everybody's money. Maybe people can Wouldn't go down the to the Reds game. would be the first time you canceled Monday Night Football. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. Oh, God. There's been some heavy things said on this show today. There's it's Catholic true. Church jokes, and, and here, I mean, Jason chimes in, and he's, he's talking over a dead man, but... I digress. He's not dead. He was? No, he was not. His heart oh. stopped. Okay, his, heart, his stopped. heart did stop. And you know what? With all due respect, seriously, that is a very serious thing that happened. But <laughs> I'm just saying, the last three Monday Night Football games have not been the best for ESPN. As Joe Buck occurs, some are asking. You want to run through the last three? No, it's fair. That's fair. Bengals, Jets, Aaron Rodgers, and then now you have Nick Chubb. Just hey, saying, the Saints, the Saints, and the Panthers so played a clean game. Just saying, this, played a clean game. This let's let's all hope. Let's all hope there's nothing happens on Monday Night Football again because some are saying that Joe Buck going to ESPN for Monday Night Football has been a curse to everyone but Joe Buck. Bengals would have won that game. They were they they were up 14, 7 nothing and driving. They looked so good for a they quarter. They looked so good. So good for a quarter. Well, someone said that Kyler Murray tore his ACL the week before the Demar Hamlin game. So so we're like. Even going past that, I mean, this is getting not there better. Play, this isn't there was getting better, but it's proving our point. There was a wild card game that was played on Monday Night Football. They play a wild card game, so there's 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 one. And well, don't, don't let the truth get between a good story. Hey, you know me. I ain't going to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, Casey has a stink list. I can't wait to tear this apart. Um, Casey, without <laughs> yep. farther ado... Farther ado, without further. farther ado, further. further, without farther ado, say fur, without farther ado, please run the stink list. <laughs> Today's stink list, week two is under, or well, it's done, it's wrapped up. We're on to week three, and I've got us our uh, stink list of week week two. Um, the Jets stink now without Aaron Rodgers. They're they're just done. I I, I tried to give them one week grace, but they. They're just done. Nauseating. Nauseating. 
Uh, Broncos, they're also nauseating. I mean, they just can't win a game to save their life. Uh, Bears, I, I went and watched the film. I'm with Trace now. The fidget spinner just stinks. Uh, the whole team just stinks. About time. They, they just stink. Casey, really have you bad. tried? Have you have you tried the Danger Witch? The Danger Witch? Yeah, Russell Wilson with Subway. He had a big sandwich last year. It was called the Danger Witch, but it was dangerously spicy. Oh, really? Do you remember that? I I don't. I probably would have liked let it. Russ, but... let, let Russ cook. Mm. Let Russ cook. Well, Russ, Russ burnt down the kitchen. <laughs> um, Vikings, they, they just can't hold on to the football. They, they, there's something wrong there. Uh, Colts, stench. Col- yeah, they, 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 they got a stench on them, you know. And then Pittsburgh, the only way they win ball games is if their defense scores. That's pretty bad. <laughs> um, we, go, we go to the they stink. Um, Bengals kind of stink right now. Uh, They're they just barely below the Browns right now. Um, feel bad for Nick Chubb, but the Browns still stink. I mean, without Nick Chubb, I think they're probably going to end up being a nauseating, but that's not what happened so far. So we gotta got to wait on that one. Chargers, they almost made it to stench. They almost made it to stench. They uh, just can't win a game to save their life either. Uh, but they have a good roster, so it's kind of hard to – Kind of hard to fault them. I, I, I just don't, I can't put them there yet because they I have too much faith in them. Um, I like how the two and zero Saints are yeah, in sync. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, the Saints they two stink. Two and zero are in stink too. No, oh, I didn't they they both that. stink though. Have you guys watched them play? Yeah, I'm not a believer in the. Bucks. The, neither of those teams are good. They just Damn. managed to win ball games because the other teams just one the Vikings who can't hold on to football and then two. The Saints have only played the Titans, and they've only played the Panthers. So I'm not giving them any credit. Um, let's move on to odorless. Um, Bills, they move up from stink. They just blow out the really bad teams, and they stink against the really good teams. So they're probably going to go back down to stink when they play a good team. The Rams, they're legit with Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald. I give them credit. Seahawks, they had a bounce-back game against the Lions. I think those two are really good football teams. And uh, the Jags, without um, some of their players, they uh, slide down just a little bit. They'll probably bounce back here soon. Fresh, Lamar and the Ravens, I think, uh, I think they've proved a lot against the Bengals. I think they, they have a really good offensive attack. I think they're getting used to that scheme. Their defense has always been pretty good. I like the Baltimore Ravens a lot. Eagles, man, they still look pretty dominant. Um, almost moved them to exquisite. I just... Didn't have the gumption to do it yet. Kansas City, um, until until they prove otherwise, I feel like I'm just always going to keep them at fresh. Dolphins, they get the job done in New England. Tough ball game, but they prove that they can do anything. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They can just absolutely dominate a game however they want. Then Dallas and San Francisco, they stay at 1-2 for me. Not bad. Yeah, overall, I am. I'm really happy with the uh, really happy with the stink list this week. I think uh, it was a really really <laughs> tough one to determine where all the teams go. But I think next time I'm gonna have like some players in there. I'm gonna have some like coaching staff in there because let me tell you, the Bears they deserve. Like I know I have the team there, but they need to have players in the nauseating. The coaching staff stinks. All, all of it is just terrible, man. It's awful. Um, and some teams, you know, they've got guys like um, T.J. Watt who deserve to be in, in the inexquisite category. But 
they're held down by a nauseating quarterback. So I just, you know, just stuff like that. Um, we'll, we'll get better and better as the season goes, though. The, the AFC North. Yeah. Um, we've talked about, obviously, being a good division, clearly. Um, it seems as if the Browns always find a way, to your point, to make it to where they give the Bengals some life. And the reason I bring that up, and maybe two weeks in, of course, we're overreacting a little bit here. But it definitely feels different if I were a Bengal fan staring at the top of the division and you see a 2-0 Ravens and a 2-0 Browns. The Browns losing to the Steelers on Monday Night Football feels like a little bit of life back into the Bengals. I would think that. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm posing the question or asking the question. Do you feel like now, hey, okay, it has been really bad. Joe Burrow has looked horrible, but to Reed's credit, to Reed's point, he's brought up the last two quarters of football that Joe Burrow has played, he looks closer and closer like the Joe Burrow of old. The first six quarters, I'm not sure what that was. But if he's able to get somewhat back on track and you're able to find a way to squeak out a win here and a win there in the next four weeks, you have to seem like that's a, uh, a reasonable expectation to still get back in this division. Yes or no? I mean, what, what's the thought? If the Browns won against the Steelers, do you feel like you'd still feel really bad to give any life? I, I don't think I would feel either way about that because it's not really the Browns that I think are the, the most dangerous threat in winning the division. It's clearly the Ravens. The Ravens are one of the best teams in the AFC. L listen, if the Browns could get out of their own way, they're the, they're the only reason that the AFC North isn't the best division in football every single year. They are literally the only reason because the Ravens are always good. The Steelers haven't had a losing season since Mike Tomlin's been there. And then as of late, I mean, over the past decade, the, the Bengals have been good more often than not. So it's always been the Browns that are bringing up the rear. And now they've got a, they've had a stacked roster now for five years because how do you not have a stacked roster when you're picking in the top 10 picks for a decade and a half? And somehow they just continually lose. But yeah, you're right. I mean, having seen two teams up there being 2-0 and is a lot different. Than, uh, than just one team at the current moment. The, the simple question that you keep asking yourself is, can the Bengals get back in the postseason? And to get that, you got to win 10 games. Can they win 10 out of their last 15 games? Of course they can, as long as Joe Burrow stays healthy. And maybe the 100% the thing isn't ever going to be back, and it seems likely that that's not going to be the case. It seems like he's going to be dealing with this injury for the entire year. But can an 80% Joe Burrow win 10 out of the last 15 ball games, playing a really tough schedule? Yeah, I think the Bengals can. Uh, I actually, I actually agree with Trace a little bit. I don't know if he was making a point to uh, making a point that I could agree with, but I, I, I think that the Browns losing that game helps us a little bit. I think the Browns coming in to, I mean, it, it doesn't even hurt like the loss. The loss helps obviously if everybody beats up on each other in the in the division. That's great. Losing Nick Chubb kind of takes away the Browns as a threat, in my opinion. Deshaun Watson, Casey's been right about a lot of things. Deshaun Watson's probably number one. Deshaun Watson is not a serious NFL quarterback any longer. He's been bad. He's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Nothing has changed. He had great weather on Monday night. Didn't win, didn't, win, didn't perform well at all. He's, I mean, I, I, don't like throwing the, I don't like saying this. I don't take this lightly. But when he's making, like, disgusting penalties, when he's holding right. people's face masks. It's just a joke. I mean, this guy is not a serious quarterback. I was going to use a word. I'm not going to use the word. So I, I, I think the Browns 
losing that game, losing Nick Chubb, it ends their season. I don't think the Browns uh, can make the postseason. I think they can win eight games. I think they're good enough to win eight games, maybe nine if they're lucky. But they're not a playoff team. Yeah. I think this. I think the Steelers are kind of fraudulent too, because like Casey said, I mean, it, Kenny Pickett's bad. Kenny yeah. Pickett's just a bad quarterback. Yeah, yeah I think the Steelers are still going to win. Still going to go over five hundred because that's what they've always yeah. done. I think that they've got a really good defense, um, but. To, to beat home the point that I've made a billion times on this show, and I'll continue to make the, a billion times on this show, I don't think losing Nick Chubb derails the Browns' season. I don't, no, I, don't, I, don't I don't. think it does anything close to that. I think because their team is so loaded getting ready to run. I mean, Jerome Ford rushed for 110 yards after the injury. Yep. Their, their team's going to be almost the exact same team. It's just the, the, the bigger question is can the Browns not Brown? They, well, they've, they've been, been, they've been, they've been a team down. for 25 years, and they've won. They've had two 10-win seasons. They have a bad quarterback. Years. And that all comes down to what Elliot just said, and that's what I said at the beginning of this year. If Deshaun Watson is anything close to what he used to be, the Browns are legit. Right. The problem is, is that Deshaun Watson has not looked like the Deshaun Watson of old, and there's a lot of reasons as to why you could say that that's the case. Hasn't played football in two years? I don't know. Maybe the sexual allegations messed with somebody's mental. But he's not looked good. And if he's not gonna if he's not going to play well, then the Browns are the same old Browns. You this league is so simplistic. Unless you have a defense like the Cowboys, and again, I'm not downplaying Dak Prescott. I'm not trying to this isn't a this isn't me trying to belittle Dak Prescott. This is me just saying if you have a defense like the Cowboys, like the 49ers, you can get away with having a marginal quarterback and still being elite. The problem is, is I don't know if the Browns' defense is that. They are good. I don't know if they're that. And also, it's going to require them to have a quarterback that plays well. And Casey said this time and time again, Deshaun Watson just has, never, has not looked good. He's been, he's been, actually, he's just been not even not good. He's not even been average. He's been bad. Yeah, like below the 32. You know how they rank like the 32 worst quarterbacks? He's been below that. He's been worse than the backups which is really bad. I mean, he's played worse than Baker Mayfield has. The trade lo just looks awful at this point. Um, one thing to note, though, I agree with Reed. I don't think the Brown season's over. I think their offensive line is what makes that running game work. I know Nick Chubb is a dynamic guy that will break a tackle or two, but he's already getting five, six yards a pop before he breaks that tackle. Jerome Ford can do that for you. He can get you five or six yards a carry, just like Nick Chubb did. And I think, too, um, it the, Browns, the Browns' offense was just never good to begin with. They relied too much on the run game. And, you know, they don't have a very dynamic offense either. Like, it's a lot of just play-action pass. And that's just not what Deshaun Watson is anymore. You know, he, he's probably going to need a lot of shotgun, a lot of just being able to just look at the defense and read it and make a, a read and throw on the first read or two. And that's just not that's just not what the the Browns' offense is built like right now. I also want to point out that the loss is monumental, right? Because look at the standings right now in the whole AFC. There are two teams that are two hundred or that have two wins. Everyone else has one win or two losses. The Bengals are not out of first place. They're just not. If you think that the Ravens and the Miami Dolphins will stay healthy for the rest of the season. You got another thing coming, buddy. Right. <laughs> they always manage to get hurt. They always manage to fumble the bag towards the end. I like our chances right now. 
I think if it was Kansas City and Buffalo 2-0, I'd be a little worried. But right now, if the Bengals can learn to play with a 85% Joe Burrow, and maybe he's getting better. There is reports saying that he's feeling a lot better. Maybe they turn this thing around. I don't know. But I like the chances a lot. I don't think they're completely out of it. I'm not going to say that it's a sure thing, but it's definitely not zero. Right. And, and breaking news real quick, Ian Rappaport has reported that the Browns have signed Kareem Hunt uh, to a one-year, $4 million deal. So yeah. it's a homecoming for Kareem Hunt. Yeah, what a, what a long, long-awaited homecoming for, for Kareem Hunt going back to the Browns. They said Jerome Ford will still take the majority of our primary snaps. Can I make a point here about Bengals fandom? And, and I'm, I'm asking you guys that are watching this show, please don't do this because it's a nothing burger. Please don't be that person that goes on Twitter.com and says the following statement. The Bengals should have sat Joe Burrow the first two weeks and let him heal. Duh. I mean, what are you adding to the conversation? Like, we're past that. I mean, hindsight's 2020. Like, we, we already know that. We, we gambled with, with a banged-up Joe Burrow, and it didn't play out. We went 0-2. But you just sitting there and going like, yeah, they shouldn't have played him. Yeah, we know that now. Yeah, we know that. The game's happened. They're 0-2 with Joe Burrow hurt, and he's banged up an injury even further, and, and maybe he's going to be hurt for the entire season. Yeah. In hindsight, we should have sat him because it would have been 0-2 probably regardless with Jake Browning. But <laughs> you're just adding nothing to the conversation. And, and I think I was talking with this about Trace before the show. It's, it's similar to the Reds fans that after Michael Lorenzen throws a no-hitter, be like, man, I wish we would have got Lorenzen. Yeah. Yeah, no-hitter would have been great. Right? I mean, like, you can sit here on Monday, Monday morning quarterback. You can, you can sit here and look in, in the past and say, we should have done this differently. Yeah, but that adds nothing. That adds nothing to the conversation. I you know what's interesting, and it definitely happens during the baseball season because it's such a long season, and it, and it certainly happens in the NFL as, as well, is when you play the team that you got to play. When do you catch them? Do you catch them when they're on their downtrend? Do you catch them when they're hot? The Bengals, for all intents and purposes, had a little bit of bad luck with this schedule because I do think, now maybe again I would be wrong in thinking this, but I do think that if the Ravens, and the Browns weren't the first two games of the year, I do think Joe Burrow sits. 100%. If you have the non-division game, non-division game to start the year off, Joe Burrow probably rests a week or two. But these games are, of course, more important than the rest. I don't know what it is exactly that you can try to convince yourself if you're a Bengals fan to make you feel better right now. Because obviously it's... It's, it started about as bad as it could have started outside of a major injury to one of the big-time players. But you're still in it. You're still right in it. And the other thing that I would say is if you think you can win a Super Bowl, you should be able to rely on at least over the next four weeks something outside of just excellent, great, unbelievable quarterback play to be able to win these games. And that's the pushback I have on Bengals fans that want to say, well, we need Joe Burrow. Of course you need Joe Burrow. And maybe you can make the case that you're not going to get average or even a little bit slightly below average quarterback play the next four weeks if Jake Browning plays. And I just, I just don't know if you can make a 100% guaranteed statement like that. I get you've watched him in the preseason. I get he's not thrown a, a completed pass in the NFL. I understand all that. But you can't 
talk out of one side of your mouth and say that this front office and Zach Taylor and Duke Tobin and all these guys are really, really good at their job and you really, really think they have an unbelievable roster and then not trust them to make the maybe the biggest decision outside of a starting lineup with the backup quarterback. There has to be a little bit of faith in the fact that they've seen something at practice, something somewhere, to make them believe that if they had to turn the keys over to Jake Browning, that he would be able to be serviceable enough to win a football game. I get everybody wants to scream and yell and say, I'm crazy for saying that. I just think at some point you got to consider, and again, we're not in the locker room. We're not in there. I don't know the full details of how long it will take Joe Burrow to be 100% healthy or not. But it feels like you can find a way with a Super Bowl roster to win a couple of these games. And again, I don't, as long, if you win three of the next four weeks, two of the next four weeks, you're still in it. And I would say, I would rather, now this is kind of crazy, I would rather sacrifice maybe a win and a half, maybe two wins, if you told me that Joe Burrow would be healthy moving forward. Because what makes Joe Burrow elite, in my opinion, is something that requires his calf to be healthy. And that is escapability. That is extending place. He's not a runner. He's not a scrambler. I'm well aware of that. But the biggest plays that this man has ever made for your franchise has been on the back of using his legs. Go look at the biggest plays he's made in all of the playoff games that you that you come to remember. Remember him high-stepping right outside? I think it was Jones trying to tackle him. He gets, he escapes him. He runs seven yards. He dives for a first down. He gets the first down. He extends the drive. Just this past year against the Ravens, there was a, there was a crazy play where he escapes. He runs 15-yard gain, first down. Remember the Lamar Jackson runs from last week that extended drives? You kind of forget about him when you look at the box score. But when you watch the game, you realize that is exactly the play that makes him elite. If he can't do that, you can't get to where you want to get to anyways. So maybe I'm crazy for saying, I'm not, I, don't, I just don't, I don't buy into the fact, people, that you're punting if Joe Burrow doesn't play. I just don't believe that. So I just beg and ask, and again, to be clear to everyone in the room, what I'm about to say is, I don't know if he sits out two weeks if that makes a difference. And they might know that in the locker room. They might believe that. The same thing I'm saying, they might believe that in the front offices down there at Paycor. But if the doctors say that if you can sit him three weeks and he's going to be just fine, you just didn't sit him long enough the first time. And again, you can make the case that he sat four weeks within the preseason and it still didn't matter. So what's it matter? Just go. You can't injure it anymore. The Achilles thing that happened to, to, to Aaron Rodgers is a fluke. That wasn't even th – those are two separate incidents. Maybe you, all of those things are true, and he just continues to fight through this. But I just have a hard time believing that Joe Burrow is going to be good enough. And maybe I'm wrong. But I have a hard time, fellas, believing that if Joe Burrow plays with a, with a, with a bum calf, that he's good enough to get you where you need to get to. The, the problem the – problem, you're right. I mean – Maybe if he's at 85%, he can't he, he can't beat the elites of the elites. The problem is, is we're already chasing two games. 
The problem is, is we already made the mistake. We, we, we gambled on playing Joe Burrow in these two divisional games, and it didn't work out. We start 0-2, and if what everyone is suggesting that once Joe Burrow to sit, for him to sit the next four games, which is the easiest part of our schedule, caveat, three of the four teams are playoff teams on the next four games of our schedule, even though it is the easiest part of our schedule. Um, if we punt on that, the best case scenario is the Bengals and my... I, the best case I see is that they go two and two with Jake Browning. That's best case scenario. And then they're two and four going into the last 11 games of the season where they have to win eight of 11 against the Bills, the 49ers, the Chiefs, all the divisional games. Once again, the Jaguars. The, the, the easiest teams on the schedule after that are the Texans, who aren't a very good team. But after that are the, the Vikings. Like, it just puts us – we're already messed up. Like, we're in an impossible spot right now that if Joe Burrow does not play the next four weeks, the best-case scenario is that they end up 2-4. and four. The, the, the most likely scenario is that they go 1-5, and five, and then we're chasing nine – got to win nine of the last 11 games. And I know they won the final 10 games, 10 of the 11 games last year. They went on a 10-game win streak going to the AFC Championship. But you just can't, you just can't bank on that again. You can't bank on that. So, unfortunately, the bet is made. The bet is made that if Joe Burrow is capable to play, if he can physically do it, if it's at 70 or 80%, he's got to play. Or else the season is essentially a punt. Because you're just putting yourself in an impossible spot to win nine of the last 11 games against the best teams in the league, against all the division opponents, against the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Bills, all these teams. It just seems very unlikely. So you got to play Joe Burrow at 80, 85% and hope that you can win three out of the next four games because it's the easiest part of the schedule. Yeah, I know I'm the negative fan in here. I get that. But if Joe Burrow can't go, I mean, there's just there's just zero chance. So if it's, it's, it's Joe Burrow or not, if Joe Burrow is able to play at 80%, I do think there's, game, there's a game plan out there that can help the Bengals win games with an 80% Joe Burrow. I think they, they were an interception away, really, from beating the Ravens on Sunday. So I still think there's a, there's a sizable chance the Bengals make the postseason. Would I bet on it at this moment? No, I would not. I think it's going to be a tough road ahead. I think people have been saying it in the chat. People have been saying it on X.com. The injury is not going away, and there is a chance that injury gets worse. So I, I, as, as, much as, as much as Trace wants to say Jake Browning could maybe win a couple games if you give Joe Burr a little bit of rest – I just don't think there's a timeline that would fit with this season that would make that work. So, so you win, you try to win with Joe Burrow. If you get back to 500 and Joe Burrow has minimal damage here, we'll just keep trying to just keep. We'll take it game by game, game by game with Joe Burrow, injured Joe Burrow. But if you don't play Joe Burrow, you will lose games. You will lose the remaining games. Maybe you win two with Jake Browning the rest of the year. So play Joe Burrow. It has to be Joe. It's it, Like I said, it's the easiest four-game stretch of the Bengals season, and they play the Rams, Titans, Cardinals, and Seahawks. Three of those four teams can make the postseason. It's the easiest part of the schedule. In the best-case scenario, the absolute best-case scenario in my mind is that if we start Jake Browning, he can win two of those games. Yeah, That's the absolute best-case scenario, and I think that's a very small chance. So we're looking at 0-6 or 1-5, more likely, if Jake Browning starts these next four games, and we give Joe Burrow the, the proper rest that he needs to come back. And then you're like, all right, Joe, you got to turn it on for these last 11 weeks. We need you to win nine of these last 11 weeks. And who do you start off against? The 49ers, 
go right after that and you play the Bills. And then you play an easy game against the Texans. And then, okay, it's back to Baltimore and the Steelers and the Jaguars. Oh, yeah, and you round out the season against the, the Vikings, Steelers, Chiefs, and Browns. I mean, it's just – it's because you win, you play tough teams. Those when are you a win lot your of division, you play, games, a, you play a very, very tough schedule when you win. And that's just – I mean, we're 0-2. We're 0-2, and we, we, we've made our bet. Joe Burrow's got to play banged up. I, I just uh, – okay. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a right answer or a wrong answer with this. I just think that it's one of those things where you got a guy that's guaranteed $219 million, $275 million overall. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to talk about it, but that's a pretty big investment. And he just uh, – I have a question. I, I just I, I would be concerned about letting a guy play if he's not a, if he's not close enough to 100 percent in games that I hate to say this that aren't that aren't life or death right this second. Now you could say yeah 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 that, that, that these games you have to win or else you're not going to make the playoffs et cetera et cetera. But we're not. This isn't the AFC Championship. This isn't the 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 the, the playoffs in general. So I'm just. It's more or less at some point you got to think big picture. I just don't know if that many people. I'm not and I. Here's the thing that's crazy is that when I say that, people think I'm saying I, you need, you're punting on the season. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you have a Super Bowl roster, I don't give a damn what the Cardinals have done. You should beat the Cardinals. Right. I don't give fair. a damn what the Titans have done. You should beat the Titans. Yes, you have a backup quarterback. But your backup quarterback should be serviceable enough to be able to beat those teams, in my opinion, if ultimately you have to give a guy rest that in order to win the Super Bowl, which is what you all want, Joe Burrow can't play on a bummed, a bummed calf. He just can't do it. He, in my opinion, is not the same quarterback with a bum calf versus not. So you might as well rest him to get him back to healthy. Now, if you want to argue, then say that it's going to take eight weeks to get healthy, so be it. But I want one question answered down there at Paycor. I don't know if it's been answered yet, and someone let me know when it is. I want a doctor to tell me what is the amount of time frame it would require for Joe Burrow to sit when you know 100% certain that he would probably be, and I probably, I mean 99.9% .9 sure, he would be 100%. Because there is a time frame. And, I, and, and if you want to say, well, you'll never know. Okay, five years. If Joe Burrow sat on the couch for five years, would his calf heal? Well, everyone's going to be like, well, yeah, of course. Then. Okay, well, let's, let's start whittling that back then. At what point do I whittle, uh, whittle this all the way back to where someone tells me, ah, it might be iffy there. Is that two weeks? Is that three weeks? Is that six weeks? Is that two months? We, you don't ask Zach Taylor that question. And maybe I'll go and find a doctor to answer it. I don't know. But I want a doctor to tell me how many weeks it would traditionally take for that person to sit. And maybe that answer has already been said. I just haven't heard it. Casey, you got something to say? Yeah, I was just going to – I'm so I have two hypotheticals today. But this is my first one that is more guided towards this uh, conversation. Let's say Joe Burrow plays Monday and he loses and they're 0-3. What then? Are you – are we are we in the camp that all right? Well, we're 0 three. We might as well just rest him now because 0 three is real tough to come back from. Or that's a good question. Like, what what is the risk versus reward of him playing and still losing? Right, because then you're just digging yourself even further and further, and you're not getting him healthy, which is just making the issue even worse. Because that's probably what's going to be the conversation is he's not fully healthy. That's why we're losing ball games. 
if if he's banged up, if he's banged up and, and he plays the next two games and they lose and they go 0 and 4, then yeah, I'm okay with just saying, all right, we're shutting Joe Burrow down, because because then you're trying to win 10 out of your last 12 games. I'm okay with that then, if that's if that's the answer that you're if your question. But I like I've said here 10 times now on the show, the bet is made with Joe Burrow. Like he's got to play because if he doesn't play. I, I, I can't see a world in which Jake Browning wins three out of the, the next four games. So the, the very peak is that he wins two of the next four games. And we're looking at two and four if we give Joe Burrow five weeks of rest. Yeah. Like, the, the argument... we're giving him a, a hard spot. So I think we just... The, the, it's Joe Burrow. It's Joe Burrow. And if, if, they, if they lose the next two games, then yeah, we protect the asset that is Joe Burrow. But if we rest him and we start 0-5, 0-6, whatever it is, then... If you want to talk about a return on investment when it comes to Joe Burrow, and I know that's what everyone's worried about, is what if he gets hurt long term? Well, if he, if if we start zero and six and he rests, then we've lost what twenty percent of Joe Burrow's contract. Just just throw it out the window. A little less than twenty percent on his contract. One fifth is gone. John brings right. up a good point in the chat. I I, I I've started to wonder this as well, and I don't know when it is that Joe Burrow becomes a man that starts to get some criticism um, based off of either his play or the decision that he decided to make. One of them is is that he decided that he wanted to play. Um, and maybe the fan base isn't the, the fan base shouldn't turn on Joe Burrow. That's not the term I'd like to use. But he, for the most part, in this city has been as roses as it gets. This man can do no wrong, will do no wrong. But the question is, is like, at some point, you are hurting the team if you're not being honest about how healthy you are. And I wonder how healthy he was if he, again, freak injuries can happen. Of course, you can re-injure something no matter how healthy you feel like you are or not. But Joe Burrow has to be honest with himself. He's got to put a, he's got to put aside the, the 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 competitive spirit at some point and just say, okay, I am hurt. I need to rest. I need to get this thing ready and hope to God and pray that maybe this team can find a way to keep us in it and I can come back and get us to the promised land. Um, usually we do this segment at eleven o'clock. We call it locals at eleven. We have ad reads to do because we're cutting this uh, we're cutting this show just a little bit short today. Um, so as always, a reminder today, uh, get your coffee at United Dairy Farmers if you're into coffee. You could also, you know, you could also get yourself, I don't know, a milkshake, an ice cream. Last night I had some homemade ice cream, which is made by United Dairy Farmers. That's their premium brand for those that don't. And I got the uh, raspberry chip, and I must say, it's elite. So if you like ice cream, get you some homemade ice cream. How the hell am I supposed to try to segue into this? I don't know. But here we are. Today's Locals at 11. We'll send it over to you, Elliot. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Elliot, the meteorologist. Thanks, Chip. Listen, we got a great weather day for you today. It was a little chilly this morning, as you can see. I'm wearing my hood. I'm wearing my hoodie on, on top of my nice $80 jacket. Again, bought it at Burlington Goat Factory. $80 I'll never see back. Weather today, <laughs> again, if I'm going to be honest with you, I just don't know. I haven't looked yet, but let's do it now. We have a live look in for the weather. Let's see on my phone. And again, everybody can do this. You don't have to listen to me. You just check your phones. You just check your phones or better yet, if you have a couple legs or something like that, you go outside, you take a little walk. You take a little walk right outside. So today, let me go on my app. Yeah, it's about 75. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same thing again. Could it get up to 82? Maybe, I don't know, potentially. I mean, it's gonna be a great day though. 
So let's have a day. I'm gonna have to take the sweatshirt off eventually, but right now, brrr, it's chilly. It's cold in here. Uh, we got a guy at the door. I haven't I haven't seen him yet, but I see him right now out of the corner of my eye, and it's I I, I think it's booby. Is it booby? It's booby. I think Mays. it's booby. All right. So everybody, go outside. Have yourself a day. We're going down to the ballpark. I'll have to take the sweatshirt off eventually, but right now again, it's chilly. Wear a jacket. Wear something comfortable for yourself. I'm wearing pants. Reed's not wearing his short shorts today. That's good. It's because it's chilly outside. Uh, but it will get warmer as the day goes on. Will the weather get better? Yeah. Could it get worse? Maybe. But that's the best part about the weather. You just don't know. I can, I can spit everything for you. I could show you the radar right now. I just wouldn't know it. I wouldn't believe it. I don't believe in anything I see anymore. Everybody, go outside. Have yourself a day. Uh, try, to, try to stay uh, warm. It's going to be a little chilly. But then it's going to get a little hot. Chilly, then hot. Good Chilly enough for a Reds hot. game? What? Good enough for a Reds game? Good enough for a Reds game. Good enough for a Reds win. That's the thing. We should have, You know what we should have done next time? We will have like a Reds graphic when they play. So we can do a Reds forecast. First pitch forecast. First pitch forecast today, it'll be 75 or 80. I just don't know really. But other than that, back to you, Chip. Have yourself a day. Brrr. Well, thank you, Chip. Uh, here's the thing. We uh, have... No, 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 you're Chip. You're chip. <laughs> I'm not Chip. You're Chip. When I throw it to Chip, that's you. I just want to make that very clear. I'm not Chip, you're Chip. I'm Elliot, the meteorologist. All right, Elliot. Appreciate that. Uh, very dynamite insight. Uh, for those that are going to the game, uh, you should have perfect weather. For those that aren't, hopefully you watch it on the tube. If you don't watch it on the tube, then we'll let you know tomorrow what happens. This is the time of the show where we have to pay the bills around here, and when we pay the bills, we send it to nobody better, the main man. The best in the business at the ad reads. None other than Casey McCoster. Thanks, Trace. Uh, first off, we got a $10 super chat from Drew Garrison. That's some money making right there. Yes, it is. The organization, read that out loud for us. The organization also has to protect him from himself. We have to talk about Zach, the training staff, and the front office if we fault nine for wanting to play. Absolutely, Drew. Thank you for that super chat. And the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center to support both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. 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 Visit Encore.Tech. The path to innovation begins here. Uh-oh. Oh, wait. Oh, I got an empty bottle of Pony Water because I drank it already because it's the best tasting water in the world. This is too good. I couldn't, couldn't wait any longer. This stuff made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, made with natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. Go, t go check them out at PonyWater.com. That's P-A-H-H. NIwater.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. And I mean, for me, it's the eight pH level. I mean, it's, it's really good. What about you, Reed? What, what's, what is Personally, it for you? Personally, for me, it's the natural limestone filtration. But yeah, you bring up a good point about the pH levels. If it was a little more acidic, um, wouldn't it be there. It's a perfect eight. If it was a little more basic, wouldn't it be as good. It's a perfect eight on the scale. I mean, that's exactly what you want out of your water. But yeah, like I said, it, it probably gets there. Because of the natural limestone filtration. Yeah, and there's and here's the thing, guys. There's other waters. There's lesser waters out there. Again, I won't say brands. This is this is Pawnee's show. I'm not gonna give 
veer credit out to other brands of water. But there's some water out there that has little mountains on their little logo there. Bad water. It's the type of water that doesn't have a good natural limestone filtration. Right. The right. natural limestone filtration makes this water. It's a smooth, silky water. It goes down the throat nice and easy. Yeah. Pawnee water. Yeah. Get your coffee from UDF. That's right. Bet on Betfred, the greatest sports book out no, there. Known to man. Known yep. to man. Yep. Encore for your technology, technology solutions. solutions. That's right. And Pawnee water. I already drank it because it's that good. What a show. What a show. Off the bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We have about seven minutes till we head off to Great American Ballpark and we try to will these boys to a victory. And I've said it once, I've said it again, I'll say it one last time. I'm telling you, straight to your face today, that this is the swing game. This is the game of the year. When you look back on it, you needed two games. You look at the loss column and you're one game out, this is it. Either going to one game ahead or you're one loss out. For those that are asking, if it's one loss out, we will say the Sunday. We, we, we will be selling Sunday in Oakland shirts immediately on sale. I really don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. Also, as a reminder, Joey Votto is going to be playing first base today. Why? One, because there's a right-handed pitcher. Two, because this is the final homestand that he has as a Cincinnati Red, and I hope you get down there to see him this weekend if you're not able to make today's game, which reasonable people understand. Today's game is a pretty tough one. Uh, Casey, do you have today's lineup? We'll run through that as we get ready to end this show. Uh, for those that are listening in podcast form, you have leading off, batting second base, the team captain, the leader, Captain America, Jonathan India. Batting second, playing center field, TJ Friedel. Batting third, some might say the team MVP, could be the rookie of the year if it wasn't for some stud in Arizona. Playing left field, Spencer Steer. DHing, hoping that he might be able to hit water if he fell off of a boat right now. Jake Fraley, the best Reds right-handed hitter. Left-handed hitter against right-handed pitching all year. Batting fifth at third base. Christian Encarnacion Strand. With all due respect to his family, considering the lineup card says CES. He has a name too. <laughs> Batting sixth. Playing first base. Your Hall of Fame first baseman. The best hitter in Reds history. Joseph Daniel Votto. Batting seventh. Playing shortstop, it's not who you think it might have been, Noelve Marte. Just so happens to be hitting like 500 this month. In batting eighth, playing right field, you guys wanted to kill him. I might have wanted to kill him. We all wanted him dead at the, uh, at the beginning of this year, but nope, he got sent down to Louisville. He came back. He's been unbelievable since. Will Benson in batting ninth. Catching a guy that we weren't sure who he was when we started the year. Just so happens to be from Covington. Luke Maley. And starting for your Cincinnati Reds. A man that we are going to rely on heavily for the rest of the year. We'll all say a little prayer because we need it. Hunter Green. Hopefully those fastballs aren't straight today and those breaking balls are snapping. And that's what we need. 
So I'll leave you with this. We need to win today. We need it like we need air. We need it like we need Pony water. We need it like we need to bet at Betfred. If you have a gambling problem, as always, call 100Gambler. If you feel like you need to bet on it, maybe call the number. Perhaps it's not a problem. I don't know. You have to come up with that answer on your own. If you have a technology situation, you call Encore. And by God, I will be getting a homemade United Dairy Farmer ice cream when I get down there. Black raspberry chip. Elite. But we have a United Dairy Farmer's cherry on top. And I just want to say we're going to send it to that last and we're going to end the show. But before we do, I just want to remind everybody, we do the show every single day. Monday through Friday from 10... From 10. Hey! From 10. Hey! Thank you. Usually to 12. P. Not today, though. Yeah, it's why? 11.38 today. We're not frauds. We're going to the ballpark. We love all of you, though. This chat is elite. We appreciate you showing up each and every single day, enjoying the day with us, getting your day started, or maybe you're just starting to kind of get in the middle of your day. I don't know if you're an early riser or a late bloomer. I think that's what they call them. Nope. But whatever. It's here nor there. <laughs> so without farther ado, here is the United Dairy Farmer Cherry on Top. Reed, you want to take this one? Yeah. So this is an, <laughs> such a funny play. So Darnell Taylor look, sacks Jared Goff. This is this happened uh, this past Sunday. Look, he hands off the ball. Look at Darnell Taylor who hits Jared Goff and celebrates the sack after the running back was ten yards upfield. Hand off. I mean, he got to the quarterback three seconds after he handed off the ball. Just an objectively funny play there from Darnell Taylor celebrating. Doesn't even see the flag thrown behind him. I mean, he's just looking into the crowd. He has no clue what happened there. But, yeah, a little, little brevity on this Wednesday. Hey, sometimes it's nice to think that you did something even if you didn't do it. Sometimes being born on third base isn't a bad thing. Just ask Ryan Day. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs>